0: Blog Talk Radio This episode of Kimberly's Intentional Moment is brought to you by the Seika Network on Blog Talk Radio.
1: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night across the globe. How are you today? Maybe it's a good time for you to stop and just check in with that. Taking a deep breath in, and a deep breath out. Just noticing how you're feeling. Noticing your breath going all the way to your sit bones, and all the way back out your nose. So it goes in through your nose, into your lungs, release your abs, breathe as if you're filling your pelvis, and exhale, gently tighten your abdominal muscles towards your spine, supporting the exhale throughout your lungs and nose. And just notice what feels good, easy, strong, mobile, flexible, as well as places that may feel achy, cranky, murky, weak. And you are simply observing. You're not trying to change anything. You're not diagnosing anything. Just noticing. And again, hello. So today, I want to start with Feelings of gratitude. So I have a friend um, who I knew in Vienna, Austria, and we've continued, or actually our friendship has grown more since high school. Um, And one of the things she was asked to do by a friend of hers is, you know, essentially um, notice in her life what's going well. And so I've been observing that. And I... Also encourage, you know, the people in my life as well as myself to practice feeling grateful, fortunate, for even the smallest of things because over the long haul, that feeling of gratitude in your body changes things beneficially or in a more healthful manner. I am feeling very fortunate for the people in my life, including this woman that I was just talking about, as well as all of my friends across the globe who send me and give me and model to me strength and perseverance and something we call resilience on the regular. Um, I, for me, social media has been a way for me to connect with people all over the globe in a very meaningful way. And, and, and many of you that have been listening know this already, maybe because you're in my life on on the regular or you've heard me saying on the show before. Um, we use social media as a way to stay connected no matter where we are. And I feel fortunate that I have those people in my life as well as the opportunity to see what they're doing in their lives, and these are open, uh, honest people who are actually quite vulnerable and open to relationship, and so uh, the things that I get to see that they post are, you know, things that are not easy in their life as well as things that may be easy in their life. They share it all, and I am grateful for that. A smile is coming over my face as I talk about this because, um, it, actually, it's quite involuntary um, because I, I smile knowing that I am really, I'm never alone. And I know this in the practice, but it's nice to know even in my ego that I am not alone. The last Three to four years, again, something I've mentioned on the show before, have been a real test of resilience. And being that the show today is about resilience and in the practice of adapting, learning, growing our behaviors as well as whatever it is we need to do to problem solve is essentially the definition of resilience. And I got here because of the friends and family I've, I've been talking about. And I'm hoping that this show will help connect even more people to the space of feeling supported in moving forward and, or moving. I, many of my students have heard me say time and time again, it's not even whether you move forward. It's just keep moving. Because even if you move backwards, you may even stumble backwards or to the side, or you might twist into a stumble. When you do that, there's always some sort of learning that can happen in that. And being open to learning, being open to being vulnerable, is something that allows us to be resilient, learning is part of resilience. So learning, it, it, learning how to adapt, not only how to adapt, but where to go to or how we can change something in our lives or grow something in our lives to get to a different place is not only part of the practice, but part of why we need to support each other in that process. Resilience, like any other part of the practice, is something we're doing in an ongoing way. We're never going to reach a destination. Or how about this? If we reach the destination, we don't necessarily stay there, which means that it's a constant practice. It's a constant ongoing process. In last week's show... Salvatore and I mainly Salvatore, but I got to put in a few words in edgewise and, and, and um I I'm certainly learning a lot from him being on the show. I'm really grateful that he is so supportive of the show. Um but in that last show we talked about the difference between reaction and response. <clears throat> Again, not something new in the show, yet we went a little more in depth into it and To me, what I got the most out of that is that in order to be resilient, we have to be in the space of response for the practice. However, one of the things that I'm going to throw out there, and again, you can always write um, to KimTalkRadio at gmail.com and let me know what you think, or you can get on Facebook and go to Kimberly's Intentional Moment page, we, and we can talk about this, but when we, when we respond on the regular, when we take the time, we take a deep breath, we think it through, perhaps even go to another resource. It could be a person, it could be the library, it could be the internet, it could be a lot of different People, it could be somebody that you pay. may go see a therapist. You may begin um, some sort of class online and begin your education in a different way. Educating ourselves on how we would like to respond to certain things that happen in our life ha- arm us with information that even when we're reacting, and we have to do that sometimes, perhaps we're even resilient then. For some reason, for me, the word resilience always meant there had to be some sort of a thought process. Um, And reaction to me is a little more, um, you know, fight or flight, uh, hormone triggered um, place that we come from or how we, or, or a way to respond very, very quickly um, versus taking this, the time to actually have an authentic response. So when we talk about resilience and the ability to adapt to what is happening in our lives, I, I guess response is the word that comes to me more than reaction. So moving on from there, if we're going to pa- practice resilience we have to be okay to a certain extent. I say that, I guess, with caution. Really, we need to be okay with it. I'm saying to a certain extent so that, I guess, my ego and perhaps some of you out there, our egos together, can, can wrap around this and, and actually adhere to the practice of adaptation. Adaptation. We, we need to be able to be okay with challenge. And one of the books that I've been reading on and off for a while, and I'm about finished with it, is The Art of Happiness, um, In where a man named Howard Cutler is interviewing the Dalai Lama. And it's such a really, it's such a great book. You've heard me say before that... The enlightened beings that I have ever known or read um, works from always seem to have this wonderful sense of humor. And they seem to know what is the title of this book, The Art of Happiness. And one of the things that's mentioned in that book, and this is serious paraphrasing, um, is the Dalai Lama's talking about, we just we, you have to come to a space of being okay with challenge being okay with difficulty because life is going to have that and I have to tell you even saying it right now I have this full body response like I actually get tight tense a little frustrated and angry all at one time even though I'm looking at the man's face on the on the cover and not at all um, feeling attacked by that, by that sort of statement, that you have to be okay with challenge and difficulty because I guess I'm not. I mean, are you? At the same time, if I put it into the words of I will, I'm will, i practicing being okay with challenge and difficulty, it, it, it nestles easier into my body. Um, it, like just saying that right in this moment my body feels a little more at ease, a little more relaxed. I can actually smile again uh, and feel as though it's something I can do. And in previous shows, I've talked about you know, do whatever it takes. You know, if if it for me in this moment, if it's me saying okay, so I am in the practice of being okay, and somehow that allows my body mind to not only be in the practice, but actually be okay with, oh, this is what we're practicing, then who cares? It's not hurting anybody else. It's not walking on anyone else. And in fact, it's building me, which allows me to do better at what it is that I do every day, being a mother, a friend, a daughter, a teacher, a yoga instructor. You know, all of these things are better off, and I am, a better, I am of better service in the world when I find the way that helps my body-mind be in regular practice. Being okay with difficulty and challenge, for me, I think is very similar to when I have talked with um, students and family about being okay with the religion in which you came from. So Titna Han talks about, in one of his books, um, Living Buddha, Living Christ, that you know, no matter what religion you have chosen to study, and that is a choice and you are welcome to switch, um, being okay, and this again is paraphrasing, this is how I understood it, being okay with where you came from even if it wasn't the experience that you wanted or maybe even a a very difficult or challenging experience, helps you be open to the next set of practices or the next set of uh, teachings you will have. That makes a lot of sense to me. And again, when I talk about a body response, and I'm always checking in and I'm really encouraging you to do the same thing. Your body and your breath often will be the ones that tell you what's really going on. The body doesn't lie. The mind does, the breath being a part of that body. Yes, I understand that the body-mind is not separate at the same time, which is why, you know, when I feel stressed out, you know, I feel it in my gut so much, even though it's my mind controlling it the body will tell you, I mean, when you get really in touch with your body, your body knows something really isn't right or something is really right and you can move forward from that space. I want to go back for just a second because that, that brought something up for me and, and perhaps for many of you. I am a Cancerian, meaning I am on the, the horoscope, I am a Cancer. One of the things that I have done a lot of reading into um, in educating myself on horoscope, because I find it very fascinating, is that we tend to be, when, when you have a lot of cancer in your chart, and particularly if you are a moon child, you are, we tend to be, a little more melancholy, a little more nostalgic. And I'm sure that those of you that know me really well out there, you're giggling right now going, yep, that pretty much describes her. It's also my gut that tells me everything. Now, I think this is a human trait. Perhaps astrologically, some of us are a little more prone to being tuned into it in a more, I guess, loud way. Um, But one of the things that really happens for me or how I know I am not practicing resilience. Or sometimes it's when I know I need to, is my gut, my digestion. It changes almost automatically with stress. Of any kind, what I have to do is check in on what is that stress. And, you know, like we've said in in past shows, uh, the, you know, stress response is a stress response to a certain extent. Yes, happy stress can have a more beneficial effect on the body. However, stress is stress. And under ongoing um, stress, the body essentially will react the same way. It starts to shut down. So you want to check in. You want to know what it is, but you also want to know how to balance that out. So for me, it's a gut thing. When I have to practice resilience, when I get what I feel when I smash into a wall again, and that truly over the last three or four years has been a very real feeling for me at times. When I'm smashing into that wall, I immediately lose my appetite. And I... In no way I'm saying that there's no control issue going on. Of course there is. I've got an ego. It is not uh, an eating disorder kind of reaction my body's having or my body-mind is having. It's more I I get stressed, therefore my gut is uneasy and food and even drink doesn't sound good anymore. And it's not something I even think about. Unfortunately, what happens in that, and it, and I'm sure that I'm speaking for many people out there, in one way or another, your digestion talks to you. Um, when you're, When you don't eat properly, when you don't have as much nutrition coming in, you start to get a little more crazy in your mind, similar to, actually not similar to, the same as lack of sleep. So when I'm really stressed out and this gut reaction starts to happen. And I'm still kind of chicken in the egg, this whole process that happens for me, because it seems as though the loss of appetite and the sleep deprivation come so close together that I'm not sure which happened first. And maybe it doesn't matter. It just matters that I notice it and I'm able to do something about it. But going back, sleep deprivation. So when you're not eating and drinking properly, all of your systems are affected. When you're not sleeping, all of your systems are affected. Therefore, you know right away, and this is one of the ways that I practice my own resilience, is by knowing when I'm in that space, which usually means, again, we're going back to response, I need to take perhaps more time to respond. I need to check in with more people or I need to write things down or I need to give myself 48, 72 hours before I respond because I know that I'm a little crazy. And I use this word loosely here and with no ill will. I'm, I more am coming from the place of having a sense of humor about ourselves. And some of us can say that we are diagnosed all the way with some sort of disorder or even disease, Um, and you can or cannot, depends on how you feel, include yourself in this, I think that all of us go what I call crazy at times. And again, sleep deprivation, not eating properly, not breathing, um, all contribute to a, a mind that is completely out of balance and what I'm loosely, again, calling crazy. So again, I mean absolutely no disrespect, more that perhaps we could be more compassionate to all of us when we are acting, quote-unquote, crazy, that, you know, what's going on with that person? It's stepping back, you know, wow, this person's acting different than they than they normally do or what we consider to be their normal behavior and what could be going on for them. Or it could be somebody on the freeway in line at the grocery store. Instead of going right to that reactionary place of this guy is a total bleep bleep or this woman is a total bleep bleep, you go to the space of I wonder what's going on for them and what if I just smiled? I mean, one of the things I've gone over and over and over again with my daughter, who is eight now, and we've talked about it her whole life, other than perhaps infancy, if you don't have something nice to say, you know, shut your mouth. Just don't say it. And we've talked on this show about that, and I know my students know it from class, especially the students that have been with me a long time. Because I know they can handle me <laughs> when I say things like "If you can 't say something nice, shut up, or if you're going to proceed with passive aggressive behavior and talk, shut up, just don't you know better, and so i 'm challenging you to do better. That comes back to the word both words response and resilience coming back when you Take the time to think through what it is you're going to do and what it is you're going to say. You're responding in a more authentic way. And you're probably going to be able to be resilient because you can see something for what it is and know what it is that you need to do, who you need to go to for help. So I'd like to take just a, a short break here, and um, again has to do with response, uh, and it has to do with you know how how do we want to how do we want to respond, and what kind of behavior do we need in order to place us somewhere other than just in the same spot. And the reason why I keep taking a moment in between my words here is English is a hard language because I feel like I say the same thing over and over again, yet I'm, I'm tweaking it a little bit so I mean something a little different. We want to practice now. We're, we're not getting out of the practice of now. We are not getting out of practicing peace in all ways. We are breathing, taking a moment, and noting what it is that in the now isn't working and what can we do right now to change it or transform it or support it or balance it. It depends on what's going on. So let's think on that while we take a break and when we come back... We will resume in the practice of resilience. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser.
0: Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned
1: that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn is why no
0: one ever helps Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov, a message from the Ad Council. This is Namdi Asamoah. I play football for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what I do off the field with United Way might be more important. I'm a volunteer tutor and mentor. Why? Because over a million kids a year drop out of school, and that's not okay. It takes 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be me, or it could be you. Studies show that if we get to these kids earlier, their chances are better. And kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. So join me and United Way. Suit up and take the pledge. Become a volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor. Because when a child succeeds, we all succeed. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live united. Take the pledge at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football League. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready
1: to pay in .1 miles. Long public service announcement because there's more than one message in that, and I chose that purposely today. And I know that you've probably, if you've been listening, you've you've heard it more than once or heard one of them more than once. But there's two there's well there's three things that actually come up for me when I listen to that. <clears throat> I love the words more than a bystander. So when it comes to bullying and Listen, in that particular message we're talking about bullying with kids and it's a and it is a sp- a space for kids to learn and therefore grow into adults that are not bullies and also can see it for what it is and um be more than a bystander. While witnessing is a, is a wonderful thing. It's a beneficial thing. Witnessing our own behavior, witnessing other people's behavior, noticing what we like, what we don't like, uh, what outcomes make sense, what don't make sense, what's mature, what's immature. There's a time where we need to be more than a bystander and we need to step up, and that can be for ourselves and it can be for others. That is part of the practice of resilience, In order to adapt and move forward we have to know number one what is right and what is right or wrong for us usually in this case we're thinking something more that is not going well for us and stand up and take charge of that Uh, not take it laying down if you will uh, knowing that we, when we play an active part in our lives, we are able to grow, learn, and therefore respond, even react in a in a more healthy way. The other thing that I get out of that is in the second public service announcement uh is well actually no it's still in the first one because it's still with the teenagers or what i imagine are teenagers they could be younger um is the message that we tell ourselves so you know these kids are saying that you know oh i am this i am that i don't even like my clients to use the words i am a diabetic um because they are much more than this disease or disorder, whatever it is. It might not be diabetes. It could be something else. But you're more than that. You happen to have this going on. So that's why I correct and say, you know, I have diabetes. It's something that you have. And in some cases, people are able to overcome it. In others, they aren't. It still isn't who they are it contributes to the impact that they have on the world, um, and some more than others. Some can are able to be resilient and incorporate it into their lives in a way that is not only beneficial to them, but maybe even helps others. You know, when uh, a girl thinks... or a a little boy or a little girl or a teenager thinks that they are stupid, again, we all have stupid moments, let's face it. I know I do. Just really stupid moments, meaning that I even know better, but I don't do better. Um, And we all can relate to being a child or a teenager that has made those choices. It still isn't who you are. It is part of what's going on in this space of who you are or a unfortunate reaction, hopefully not a response, but it could even be that, which would then you know, qualify that word stupid because we knew better and we didn't do better. It doesn't make us stupid. In fact, being able to notice it right there tells you you aren't. You aren't stupid. You had a stupid moment, but you are not stupid. And the third thing that I got from this was pledge. They used the word pledge. I'm going to ask that you pledge to the practice. You pledge in this moment to be in practice, and when you aren't, to notice and get back into practice. Being in a space where you feel like there's no way up. And we all feel that. Sometimes we even feel that in a day. And yes, you know, when we're in a real deep, dark, more depressed state, we can giggle at our day-to-day stuff. It doesn't mean that you don't want to pay attention to it. It does mean that you need to find what it is that turns that around for you. So uh, in past shows, I've talked about my tribes, and I have more than one, and I love that. I don't want to have just one tribe. I want to have lots of tribes, and I hope those tribes are diverse so that I become a more compassionate and understanding being while I'm in this body. But my tribes are on alert. Um, I have people in place that when, you know, the you-know-what flies, I am able to call in my support system and ask for assistance. And sometimes it's just the response, and it is a response. I know this because I know this group, or these groups, actually. There's more than one. I love you. You're supported. Is sometimes all anyone needs. I, I know this from my own experience. When I get that text or that email or that phone call back or that hug that says, I'm here for you, always. That in and of itself gives me the power and the strength to pick myself up, dust myself off, and move. And again, it could be lateral, it could be forward, it could be backward, but keep moving. Because change is constant. So when you think you're sitting in a space of absolute stillness, Say now you. I've got. To, I've got to stop again because absolute stillness in the practice of yoga can be very beneficial. But we're talking about stillness of the mind, and not not talking. Hi there. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what's going on. Because this is an Internet show, um, and I'm, you know, doing this via Wi-Fi, maybe that's why it happens. I just really appreciate that we can all just take a good chuckle here and realize that, you know, it is, it, this is what it is, and we will get reconnected Um Anyway, I'm not sure where, where the call ended, so I'm just going to step back for a second. Change is a constant. It, it's, you know, it's not something that we can control as much as it may bother us. What we can control, though, is stilling our mind enough to know what sort of response we want to have. Resilience lies in that. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm kind of uh, summarizing what I said because I don't know when we got disconnected and when we got reconnected and I don't want to go all the way back. But instead of being merely a bystander, we can be a witness to what's going on and we can take action. And taking action means moving. That can be forwards, backwards, laterally. It could be in a twist. It could be however, and that may mean, yes, you know, uh, Um, some sort of exercise or some sort of physical movement, but I mean movement in general. That even if I fall backwards or if I take a step backwards, because I'm just not sure what the heck I'm doing, I may get some more information from that step backwards that actually catapults me much further forward than if I fought the instinct to go back. Everything happens for a reason is a cliche that may even bug you when I say that, and sometimes it even bothers me to say it to myself because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, everything happens for a reason. And yet it does. It does. And the bigger scheme, the bigger picture can be very difficult for us to see. Those of you that are parents out there can, I know you can relate to this, Perhaps you can relate to this even if you aren't. I'm not um, just categorizing it as something that you only know if you're a parent. I know that when I became a parent, it became apparent that I wasn't in control, that I was going to have to kind of muddle my way through at times. The thing about parenting, and I know that, again, parents out there and, again, even friends of parents out there can understand or teachers can certainly understand that or leaders that you don't really have any control over what's going to happen at all except for your response in it and that you can breathe and just allow somebody to go through their own process. They have to be their own person. They have to learn it in their own way. Otherwise, they don't truly understand. I'm careful with my words, or at least I practice being careful with my words when I talk to people about understanding where they're coming from. I I usually say something more like, I have an idea of where you're coming from or because of an experience that I've had, it, I understand this must be very hard for you or this must be incredibly um, wonderful for you. Because you're not having someone else's experience, you can't honestly know what it is they're going through, including our children. We can go back to our own childhood or our own adolescence and say oh i can relate to that well relating to it is one thing knowing exactly what's going on for someone is not the same thing and there's a lot of a lot of that in the practice i think because easy and simple that's where it began for me easy and simple I had to actually look them up again in the dictionary, and this was, you know, probably 17 years ago. And, and since then, I, I, I refer to it often, um, if not for myself, but it might be for my students or friends. They are not the same thing. And the practice, when you really look at it, if you look at it on paper or we just talk about it, it's actually very simple. Be right here, right now. Be friendly. Practice operating in a space without harm, and you got it. Now, friendly, without harm. Pretty simple. Not easy. Because a lot of times that means giving up control, or at least feeling like you're giving up control. I'm going to take just a short break and play my little Kim spot that uh, De DeJesus made for me, just because I think it's really fun, and it'll bring us back to our present time consciousness.
0: You're listening to Kimberly's Intentional Moment on blogtalkradio.com with your host, Kimberly Canals, your spot to practice living in awareness. You're listening. You're listening to that. Just
1: went on three times, didn't it? I pressed it one time. It went on three times. I tell you, I have to just giggle and say, technology and Kimberly um, are not always symbiotic. I love that. Thank you so much, Rosita De Jesus. I love that. It's just a little 16 seconds. It is though. Practicing living an authentic life. Practicing living in the space of now. Practicing living with compassion and love, anyway. That ultimately, for me, is. One of the definitions of resilience when you look up resilience in the dictionary, it is the ability to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. Uh, yeah that that makes that that pretty much is what we've been talking about the Ability of something to return to its original shape after it's been pulled, stretched, pressed, bent. You know, I I actually really like that as a definition. So it's, yes, becoming strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. But isn't it also when we've pulled, stretched it, bent it, pressed it in some way that is not normal to it and it, it returns to it, it's original shape. The only, the only problem that I would have with that one is it's original shape. When we're talking about a thing, sure. When we're talking about people, if, if there's an ongoing change happening in us, how could we ever go back to a quote-unquote original shape? So I go back. Maybe it is that first definition. So how are you going to practice resilience. Some ideas that we've talked about today are, you know, having your tribe or tribes in the same place as you. People that lift you up, people that say, yes, you did. You got knocked down. So let's pick yourself up, let's brush yourself off, and let's move. It could also be the breath practice. Just taking 10 deep breaths minimum can change everything. One of the things that uh, I just did a class with, um, it was called Summer Bridge, and it was basically helping 8th graders get prepared to enter into ninth grade or enter into high school. And one of the words that my mom brought up, because you know she was a high school teacher her entire life, the woman, that's what she did. I think she did middle school for a minute. <clears throat> but she said, you know, one of the things she liked to do, and so I have started incorporating this, is teach a vocabulary word and its relevance in their lives and, and, and have it be, you know, a, a significant word, meaning for them, you know, a three-, four-syllable word. One of the words that she brought up for 8th to ninth grade was unobtrusive. So realizing that you're going from the top of your class to the bottom of your class, if you will, because you're at the top of the middle school chain and now you're at the bottom of the high school chain, realizing that you are probably an amazing, dynamic, wonderful human being that has a lot to offer, and you can still not be a wallflower per se, but... Be in a space of I'm going to observe for a couple of months and let people observe me. Be real cognizant of what I'm doing. And the thing is, is when you practice those things, whether you're in eighth grade or you're 80, you become more aware of yourself. You become more in tune to what is actually not only happening for you, but how you may be coming across or how do you want to come across. And then slowly, at, over the course of ninth grade, start to let that happen. I don't see any reason we can't all practice that. And don't we anyway? When you enter a new job, you know, walking in, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a, somewhere that it might make sense. But in most cases, you want to blend, observe, breathe, be, in the beginning and then slowly let yourself come out into the full amazing being that you are and, and, and offer up all that you have to give. I think that's about it for the show today. I, practicing resilience via your breath, via having your tribes, stopping and being aware, responding. Responding. These are all ways that we can continue to practice or be in the practice. We want to practice peace in all ways. We want to love first. Practice being friendly without harm ultimately coming into the space of as much happiness or as Howard Cutler and the Dalai Lama
0: put it, the art well, of like happiness.